the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. For our sermon this day, we look at the Old Testament lesson that's also appointed for this particular weekend. It comes from Isaiah 43. Dear friends in Christ, every once in a while, human beings experience a breakthrough. And we discover or we invent something that really moves us quickly from one era to another. You know about penicillin gave us a way to treat a number of previously deadly diseases by using that. And then the steam engine provided a way to be able to power factories and trains and ships during that industrial revolution. You can go back a lot farther to Gutenberg and the printing press. And the Atlantic magazine declared that this was the top innovation since the discovery of the wheel. Technology writer George Dyson describes it as the turning point at which knowledge began freely replicating and quickly assumed a life of its own. Do you remember Martin Luther? He was able to use that printing press to spread his ideas across Europe during the Protestant Reformation days. And there are other well-known innovations, including electricity and paper and vaccinations, the Internet refrigeration, and even gunpowder. But some innovations might surprise you, such as the moldboard plow. This was the first plow that was able to dig up soil and turn it over, too, and really help the farmers prepare their fields. Whether well-known or not, all of these breakthroughs were life-changing innovations or discoveries. And now on Wednesday, April 17th upcoming, there's a movie called Breakthrough. It's going to be released nationwide. And in it, a 14-year-old boy named John Smith, he falls through the ice of a Missouri lake there, and it's on a cold winter morning. It's a tragic, life-threatening, and quite literal breakthrough. And after being pulled out of the water where he was down in the bottom of the lake for 15 minutes, he's taken to the hospital and there's no heartbeat. They try CPR for another 27 minutes without success. And what seemed to be life over, his mother Joyce, she's not ready to give up on him. And she musters up all her faith and her strength and crying out to God to save her son. And miraculously, there's a breakthrough. Her son's heart begins beating again. In the days that follow, he defies every scientific prediction and expert opinion. And the movie is based on a true story, as well as on the book written by his mother, Joyce Smith, called The Impossible, the miraculous story of a mother's faith and a child's resurrection. Clearly, not all breakthroughs are in the realm of science and technology. Some are found in the world of faith. If you take a look at those Israelites in Isaiah 43 at that time, they needed a breakthrough. They had been exiles. 
their suffering in Babylon, and they ache to return to their homeland. And in a time of despair, the prophet Isaiah says that God is the one who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings out chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise, they are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Isaiah reminds the people that God was the architect of the exodus from Egypt here. The one who made a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters. And when the Israelites were stuck between the Egyptian army of Pharaoh and the Red Sea, it was God who opened a way where there was no way. God separated those waters, and we know that they crossed on that dry ground. And then he overwhelms the attacking army, giving the Israelites a breakthrough. The good news is that God continues to remove obstacles. He's making a way where there is no way. When Hurricane Maria had hit Puerto Rico, thousands of people died and over 400,000 homes were destroyed or damaged. And along with many other church leaders, Reverend Gadiel Rios, a pastor there, was in shock. He says, what would happen with our families, he wondered. What would happen with the communities which we were ministering in? A few days after the hurricane, local congregations started to meet, he tells Christianity Today. And there was a sense of really shared community that kicked in. Everyone started looking for opportunities to serve. Volunteers collected many donations, and they headed to the places of greatest need. And then there were many mainline evangelical and non-denominational churches that poured millions of dollars into that effort and thousands of volunteer hours into that recovery. Rios says, a crisis like this brings us back to the core of our calling. Well, after the hurricane, Rios had a breakthrough. The realization that he needed to focus on individuals, offering them a shoulder to cry on, a listening ear and a safe place for people to vent anger, and also a reassurance of God's love for them. He and his church will press on, he promises. He says, bringing the gospel of Christ with compassion and love to those who live in despair. Wherever we are, we are challenged to really experience the same breakthrough. Ministry is not about the number of people in a worship service. It's not about the size of a church budget or the variety of ministries that are there, that are offered. Instead, it's about touching and transforming lives, giving people hope, showing them that there is a way in the sea, a path in the raging waters. Next, God talks in this way through Isaiah. He says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Look forward, our Lord says, not back. God's doing something new even for us today, both in us and around us. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. Isaiah wanted God's people really to concentrate on the present. 
And you can perhaps well imagine that the Israelites, they didn't want to concentrate on the present at this point. They didn't want to think, well, you know, here we are. We're slaves again. Here we are, not in the promised land. Here we are. We're not in that land of flowing milk and honey. Here we are. Woe is me. It's probably on their minds instead. But Isaiah says, forget about those things because the Lord is doing a new thing. He says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Every day for the Israelites, as in our own lives too, gets to be an adventure because the Lord has new things. He has new things in store for us. He had new things in store for them. They were not perishing. They were not fighting their enemies in the war anymore. They weren't worried in that sense because they were right now captives of those enemies. The Israelites were taken care of by the Lord through their captors. The Lord would do even more than that, though. He was doing a new thing. He was still providing for the people there, his children. He was still protecting them. He was still preserving them, even though they didn't think they had the best conditions at this point. Then he talks about a new thing that is going to spring up. And he says there, I will make a way in the desert and rivers in the desert. That's unheard of. They were used to deserts being dry and dusty. We see pictures on TV of deserts and sandstorms. We know there's no rivers in deserts. But the Lord says he's going to do that. And he says that when he does that, even nature understands that. He says in the next verse, the wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. It meant that God would not only provide for the wild animals, but more importantly, for his people. The streams and the deserts, as Isaiah would explain more fully later on, that was the fact that the children would be able to return to the promised land. They would not spend the rest of their history in that land of Babylon. They would go back home. They would follow the path through the desert again back to Jerusalem. As we walk that path in our life here, we know that we can look to our God for guidance and support. Away in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. As Christians who are living today, we have the opportunity to look back, not only to the past, but to look here in the present. And to look in the future in a very special way that those Israelites didn't have that opportunity. We know we're coming to the end of our Lenten season. And it's really a blessed time when we look back again and again, not of how God delivered us from a land of slavery, but from spiritual slavery to sin and to devil. He wants us to think about the present, too. To think about his death and resurrection that really gives us right now that victory. And it gives us the hope of eternal life that we look forward to. Our reaction is to remember all of the blessings that God gives us. Today, 
do not think of the earthly blessings at all. Instead, focus in spiritual blessings, as Paul says in Ephesians 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Of course, Paul would start with forgiveness for us. And then every spiritual blessing after that is ours too. If we have forgiveness, we have everything else. You know the list. Hope and comfort, peace and joy, and patience and long-suffering, and it goes on and on. Every spiritual blessing, not just a few or some blessings, but everything you and I need for our spiritual well-being. God gives us that. And finally, in these verses, God says, I'm going to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself so that they might declare my praise. And when he says that, we can see that God gives us drink for reasons, not just to quench our thirst, but to provide opportunities for us to be able to go beyond that and serve. Acts of praise and worship, they're sometimes called liturgy in a number of churches. And the term liturgy literally means work of the people. Yes, work. Not entertainment. We gather for a worship service because in that worship, we serve God. Unfortunately, many people come to worship to be entertained. It might be by music or preaching or a sophisticated high-tech slideshow. They act like members of an audience. And they soon give up on worship because they feel they're getting nothing out of it. But maybe they give up because they haven't put enough into it. The Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard, he said that in worship, the true audience is God. Members of the congregation are the performers. Worship leaders are the prompters. He says together, members and leaders declare God's praise. And this particular approach has been a breakthrough for people who have discovered that true worship is based on what they can offer God, not on what they can end up getting out of the service instead. One person writing in the Theology of Work website there says, ironically, I found that the more I focused on giving to God, the more I actually did get out of worship. The same can be true for us. As congregational members and and worship leaders, too, our challenge is to declare God's praise with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. When we do our best for God, who is our audience, we come out of our worship feeling energized. We come out also feeling inspired. God performs a variety of breakthroughs in our lives. And they don't always have to be miraculous healings. More often, they include new paths to walk in, new stands to take for him, and also new ways to serve. But whatever that breakthrough appears to be for you and me, we know that it moves us forward. And because of Jesus Christ, it gives us new life. 
In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is your Lord and Savior. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.